You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. I talked to you about chairs, the four chairs of the judges that sit facing away. In other words, they're back and they do not see them. They don't know if they're wearing a mini skirt. They don't know if they're wearing a, uh, you know, a muscle shirt. They don't know nothing about that. All they going on is their voice. And then if they get impressed, they turn around. And then, of course, if another coach turns around, there's a battle between the coaches. Actually, the voice has two competitions going on. It's a singing competition for the contestants, and it's a coaching competition for the coaches. Anyway, they'll press a button, and then, of course, you know, they'll talk and jaw at each other for a little while. And then it becomes the responsibility of the contestant to select the coach, unless only one of them turned. But I shared with you in the message, The Blind Audition, how that while we're trying to impress all the coaches and trying to impress and trying to hone our voice and listen to our mentors and do all of this and all of that, I shared with you the real truth is that God has already turned for you before you ever took the stage. Amen. And then the next message, we talked about the battle rounds and the knockout. And I shared with you a message of... um, Uh, Or actually, the blind audition was Saul on the Damascus Road when he was literally blinded for three days. And I don't have time to preach that. But then we went to the battle rounds and we had King David. He was not a king at the time. He was a young teenage boy. He went up against Goliath, the nine foot, nine inch tall giant. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And in the battle round, you know, uh, he won the battle. He turned back to Israel, held up the head of Goliath, and uh, as he had spoke and prophesied, I'm going to take his head off today, and he actually did that. It was incredible. It was a knockout. David knocked out Goliath. God won the victory. And so we talked about the battle rounds and the knockout and all that, and today I want to talk with you about the live show. Now, yesterday at 3.30, it went down in Atlanta. When the kickoff happened, I was not able to see all of it, but I watched the first couple series. I said to my wife, I said, well, they look pretty evenly matched, to be honest with you. I only saw one drive of each team, and uh, it didn't really amount to much at that time. They were just sort of feeling each other out. But my sister, who is an Alabama fan, posted something after the wedding last night, and I was tied up here most of the day. But her post simply said, the last time dogs got beat like this, Michael Vick went to jail. And... <laughs> But anyway, that's my sister. You just have to know her. But it was bad, man. But what I'm saying is it was a live show. Y'all with me? I mean, they didn't show up, but it was a live show. And what I'm saying is, and I, hey, for the, you wondering now, I was, you know, kind of hoping to be a whole lot closer than that, if not even to eke out a win. But I have to be very careful. I have a roll-tied wife. Y'all understand so anyway, uh, let me uh, go on. So, and if you are in that situation and you bark too loud, you might end up needing to take our life group on marriage. <laughs> Just a plug for you. It is going to be a great group and an awesome group. But what I'm saying is in the live show, there's a time when the curtain goes up. Amen. The lights come on. And there you are. It happened just a moment ago. We do it every single time. Visiting pastors always tell me one thing I like about the harbor. You guys start on time. I said, you can bet your bottom dollar. When that thing hits zero, we are starting. Whether they're in the parking lot or on Coleraine Road or just passing, you know, the store down there. Don't matter to us. We're starting on time. And what I'm saying is in the live show of your life, at some point, 
When you've made it through the blind audition and the battle round and the knockout, and you've done all of that, guess what? You're going to have basically a live show in your life, and there will be more than one. Are you hearing me? I want to make this make sense to you, and I promise you I will. So just give me a second. Here's what you've got to understand, that my show is coming. Tell your neighbor, my show is coming. Yeah, that's right. Your live show is coming. And the lights will come on, and that's where you have to, in my mind, and football players will say it like this, leave it all on the field. Singers will say, leave it all on the stage. It's a time when, in the voice, where they have not only been coached, but they have brought in another awesome singer who has made it. They'll bring in another great singer, and that singer will make suggestions to the contestant and to the coach. And so I'm saying in the live stage in your life, when, with a live show in your life, God is, there's going to be some things that's going to happen. You're going to have to draw on everything you learned from the pastor. You're going to have to draw on everything you learned from your spiritual mother or father, from your fellow Christian friends. There's going to be a point in your life when the curtain goes up and pastor's not there. And you dial him up on the cell phone and he don't answer. And you think about your spiritual sister and you can't get her. And you realize you've got to walk this one by yourself. Is anybody hearing me say amen? There's a time in your life that the people who have poured into your life, such as myself and such as your friends and others, will not be able to do it for you. There will be a time when it is upon you and you will have to perform and then we will find out what you are made of. The coach cannot do it. The consultant cannot do it. The pastor cannot do it. Even God's not going to do it. He's going to say, sir, it is your time to shine. And you've got to do it. Amen? How many of you ready? Well, let me give you a little bit of a story for me. It happened to me when I was in high school. I was one of those, uh, they called us geeks back then. But I was raised in Columbus, Georgia. We had eight high schools, and we all had junior ROTC. Fort Benning was right there, and I was always into the military stuff, you know, so I signed up for ROTC right away. So I went in, you know, we had to wear the uniform, we had to learn all the stuff and, you know, all the drill movements and all this. And then I learned out that they had a rifle team where you could actually shoot a 22 caliber rifle on school property. That's back when school was real, man. Are y'all with me? We had a rifle team and I enjoyed it and I joined the rifle team and got pretty decent at it. Made the varsity on my, in my sophomore year, and, I, and we just enjoyed it. Well, then uh, I transferred high schools after my second year. I did two years at Kendrick High School, and then I went to Jordan High School for, for my junior and senior year. And my senior year, I had moved on up through the ranks, and uh, I learned early on in the year that I would be promoted to lieutenant colonel, which is the highest rank you can go in ROTC program, and named the battalion commander. And I said, well, man, praise God, that's great, that is awesome. And then I'll never forget, uh, we were coming up on our annual formal inspection, where a bunch of active duty officers would come to every school from Fort Benning and they would do what they call the AFI, the annual formal inspection and there was about three different ratings you could get but uh, the gold star obviously was the, uh, the top of the, the tip of the spear and then blue and right on down but I'll never forget 
Lieutenant Colonel Smith coming to me. He was the uh, uh, leader of our outfit, Master Sergeant Falk. These are all Vietnam veterans. And they said to me, Sames, this one's on your shoulders. You got to know things because what's going to happen is you're going to go to a briefing room with a big flip chart and you're going to brief these officers from Benning. And I'm, you know, I'm shaking like a leaf because I was about speaking about like Adam is right now. Or, you know, and I didn't know about all that, so to speak. But he said, you're going to need to know, number one, how many 1903 Springfields we have in the armory. That was the drill team rifles that we used. They were plugged, so don't freak out. We were also to know how many 22 caliber rifles was in the armory, how many um, live uh, rounds was there, uh, and all of the, uh, everything about that, how many troops we had. We had two companies, which, uh, which made up of three platoons each, which made up the battalion, and uh, had to know all of this, and the chain of command from the president right on down to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the, all the current events going on, and I was nervous, I was anxious, and every other synonym you could think of about this inspection. Because I had to lead our entire battalion on the drill field. And if I messed up, everybody's going to look bad. Are you, are you with me? Say amen. So for me, it was a live show, man, when they said today is the day. I'd been studying for weeks and I was worried about it. I was scared about it. But, but the time come where I had to do it. Thank God. You know, because through repetition, through practice, I, I don't know how many times I briefed. Uh, you know, empty chairs on everything to know about uh, Junior ROTC. I don't know how many times I went through it, but I went through it till I was clicking with it. But God blessed us. We got the highest rating you could possibly get. I was excited. I passed the live show. That's one of them. I'll say this. I've not always done that well. Amen. Well, then I read in the Word of God, and I find a fellow by the name of Obadiah. Now, and this comes out of 1 Kings chapter number uh, 18, and let me just set the stage, and I'm going to read some in a moment, but let me just paraphrase this for you for the sake of time. Obadiah was in charge of King Ahab's palace. Now, Ahab was the most wicked king to ever rule Israel. He was stirred up by the most wicked wife of a king. Her name was Jezebel. Are y'all with me? So, brothers, sometimes your wife can stir you up and do some bad things. Anyway, that's how it was. But Ahab was a wicked man, and Jezebel did not like God. She didn't like the prophets of God. She didn't like the worship of God. She and Ahab worshipped Baal. And so Obadiah was, uh, you know, she went through the, the land and had the army go through the land to kill every prophet of God. Obadiah, although he was in charge, he was chief of staff in the palace. Are you following me? He was chief of staff of the palace. So he had a very high position, very close to Ahab. And when, but the Bible says Obadiah feared the Lord. This became a live show for him because his job and his neck is on the line. When Jezebel said we're going to kill every prophet of the Lord, he scurried out to find them. He found 100 prophets and two caves. He hid 50 of them in this cave and 50 of them in that cave. He hid them. He said, stay put right here. Jezebel and Ahab is searching the land. The army is searching the land. If there's a prophet of God, they are going to kill you. And he would see to it that they had food and water every day. 
It's a live show, my friend. If you're going to buck what your master has told you to do at the peril of your, not just your job, but your life. Are you with me? But 1 Kings 18, 13, and Obadiah said this, Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. You see, there came a time for Obadiah to step on the stage, and he did it. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a time, friend, just like there, there was for me a time, and there will be more for you you better get used to it. Because right now, I know there's a lot of people that sit, soak, and sour. They train, 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 don't never do nothing. But what God's saying is, I want you to get ready. I want you to hear the messages and the series that they're preaching at the harbor. Because there's going to be a show in your life. And you're going to be part of the showdown. I don't just do this for my health. Amen. My goal is to equip men and women to do the work of ministry. Someone said, no, pastor, I thought you were supposed to do it all. You thought wrong. Paul says that my job is to equip the saints of God to do the works of ministry. So what you got to understand is this. It is important for you to know the live show is coming. That way you can prepare yourself. The Boy Scouts have a motto. It says, be prepared. I'll tell you something. How many drive a car? Let me see your hand. Yeah. If you drive a car long enough, you are going to have a flat tire. That's a, that is a fact. Yeah, you say, well, I got brand new missions. I don't care what you got. You drive long enough, you are going to have a flat tire. Let's just hope that you got enough sense to have a jack and a spare or at least a triple-A card or something like that. Are you with me? Say amen. Um, if you are a pilot, any pilots in the house, if you are a pilot, at some point in your life, you are going to declare an IFE. I was a crew chief on F-16s and F-4s. That's an in-flight emergency. If you fly long enough, it's going to happen. Amen. If you're a skydiver and jump long enough, you're going to use your reserve. Amen. I, I almost posted on Facebook the other day. I had a reserve ride today, but I was on my motorcycle. I just ran out of gas. You know, it's real easy. It's a little bit different up there. But nonetheless, what I'm saying is that it is inevitable that something is going to go wrong somewhere, and then you've got to step up. You've got to do something. And quite honestly, you don't have forever to think about it. You've got to use the training that you've been trained with. You've got to think about what you've been taught and do it. You've got to act. Are you going to be ready? That's the question. I, you, I remember Adam telling me, if I can use uh, this little story, perhaps I can. He said to me uh, uh, maybe a year or so ago, um, he said, Dad, I need you to pray for me because I've got to brief the captain of the USS, whichever submarine, I don't know, uh, in the morning i got to brief him about a job that was going to be happening on his boat. And, uh, you know, Adam's real excited about public speaking. <laughs> Especially to the captain of uh, a nuclear submarine, you know. But nonetheless, um, you know, when I don't know what time it was, but let's say when 0900 got here, and you're in the briefing room, and there sits the captain and the uh, executive officer and, and the staff that is there, and it's time to get up. You've got to know your stuff. And you've got to brief him about what's going to take place on his boat. And, and I mean, you just got, you can't be fumbling and jumbling over yourself. You've got to know what you know. 
You've got to be able to articulate what you know. In other words, I, I just say that's a live show. It, you see, it may be a time for you when you have to stand up for what you believe to be true at work. It may be a time when uh, you have to stand for what you believe about God. It may be a time when people laugh at you and mock at you and sneer at you. But you have to stand tall anyway. Let me turn your attention because here's the deal. Uh, I've had those live shows in my life. You're going to ha- you've had them and you're going to have more. So I want us to turn our mind to the Word of God in 1 Kings chapter number 18. I want to give you a, an example of what I believe probably the best example of a live showdown, I call it. Um, and it comes from the great prophet Elijah the Tishbite in 1 Kings 18 and 17. And um, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, uh, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, uh, in that you have, watch this, forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, here's what I want you to understand before we go too far. We're talking about the prophet of the Lord who's speaking to his majesty, the king of Israel. Are y'all hearing me? He's not talking to a buddy on lunch or, or, or some comrade. Here's the prophet of God speaking to Ahab. Now, you've got to understand, uh, Israel had been under a theocracy for years before the monarchy ever started. God was in charge of Israel. But they wanted a king, and so they got a king. And so... You know, it's down through the years now, but we have King Ahab. And uh, so we go a little further here, and he says, um, Now therefore, send and gather to me on Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. So let me just do a little commentary right here and tell you what's happened. Elijah says that you, king, have abandoned theocratic rule. You've abandoned God and you have followed the Baals. Wednesday night, if you were here, I spoke on trading gods. And that's what he had done. He says, now gather the people to Mount Carmel, bring the 450 prophets of Baal, bring the other 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's his table. His wife's name was Jezebel. So Ahab sent the word throughout all of Israel and they assembled the prophets to Mount Carmel. And uh, so Elijah said to them in verse 20, He says, how long halt ye between two opinions? Uh, If God is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. It might have been 21. So then Elijah said in verse number 22, I want you to get this and I will make an observation. He says, I am the only of the Lord's prophets left. He says, I am the only one of God's prophets left, and there are 450 prophets of Baal. And he didn't even mention the prophets of Asherah here. He said, so go get two bulls for us, and let the Baal's prophets choose for themselves, and let them cut the bulls into pieces and put them on the wood, but do not set fire. 
I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and not set any fire. Then you call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the Lord and the God that answers by fire, then he's God. Are y'all hearing me? Is everybody with me? So it's a showdown. So what's happened here is Elijah says to Ahab, he said, I want you to go get the 450 prophets of Baal, go get the 400 prophets of Asherah, and, and we got two bulls, one for you and one for me. We're going to build an altar, and, and uh, we're going to call on our gods. You call on the Baals. Get all of your prophets of Baal and call on them. And then when you're done, I'll call on God, whatever God answers by fire. If that ain't a live show, when they get ready to start this, when the curtain goes up, if this isn't a live show, I don't know of one. So then all the people said, what you say sounds good to us. So verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there's so many of you, you call on the name of your God, don't light the fire, but take the bull given to them and prepare it. So they called on the name of the Lord, or the name of their Lord, they called on the name of their God, Baal. I want to catch this. The show has started. Look at your neighbor and say, the show has started. He said... They call on the name of Baal from morning till noon. From morning till noon. Now, I would think that would mean first light. So for us today, that's probably what, about 7, 7.15 till 12 o'clock. Now, when's the last time any of y'all prayed that long? Let me see your hand. I didn't think so. But anyway, they was calling on Baal. I ain't talking about, talking about God. And then they called on Baal from morning till noon. Baal! Answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, and no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. So they cried for all morning. They shouted for him. They started dancing. Man, y'all think y'all danced last night at the wedding? No, no. They were cutting the rug there because this was the showdown for them. They danced around to noon. And verse number 27 says, At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. <clears throat> now I want you to understand. Elijah's got his bull over here. He's going to let, let them do their thing first, and then he will rebuild the altar. And, and by the way, that's what God wants us to do. That's what they did. The prophets of Baal built an altar and prayed all morning. Till evening, or, or to, well, it will be till evening, but till afternoon at this point, danced and cried and shouted and all that, no answer. So Elijah began to taunt them. He's still sitting over here, and he says to them, shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Perhaps he is meditating. Or maybe, maybe he's busy. Or perhaps even traveling somewhere. Perhaps somebody needs to go get him. Could you see Elijah just taunting them? He goes on, he says, you know what, no, 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 maybe he's asleep. And he needs someone to go awaken him. It's the live show, man. They're praying to Baal to show everybody that Baal is God. And Elijah tells them, listen, I'm way outnumbered. There's 850 of y'all. There's only one of me. He says, y'all have gone through the land. You remember Obadiah hid 50 of the prophets in one cave, 50 another. He said, y'all have gone through the land. You've killed the prophets. I am the only one standing for God. And I've got the guts to tell Ahab what God said. Matter of fact, 
Earlier that day, Elijah met Obadiah, the chief of the palace, and he says, where's your master? He said, uh, well, I went one way looking for water, and he went another way because it hadn't rained in three years. Because Elijah the Tishbite, standing in Naboth's vineyard, said that it will not rain except at my command. Are you all with me? Say amen. And for three and a half years, or for three years, it has not rained a drop. Now, we ain't had that problem here in South Georgia, but, but they did. It has not rained. And so Ahab went one way, Obadiah went another way. They were looking for water so that they could keep from having to kill the horses and the animals. And of course, I told you that Obadiah hid the prophets. Well, Obadiah, while he was looking for water, ran into Elijah the Tishbite. And he said, is it you, master? Is it you? He grabbed me and said, yes. He said, it is I. And he just, he said, oh my, I'm so honored to be here with you, great man of God. You know that I love the Lord. You know that I serve the Lord. Did you know that I even hid a hundred prophets? I was unsupposed to do it, but I hid 50 of them in one cave and 50 in another cave. And I made sure they had bread and water. And Elijah says, I know, son. I know you love the Lord. And you've got a heart for the Lord. And you've done that in the peril of your life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Yeah. So, but, but it has not rained in three years. And they're on the mountain. It's the showdown. Elijah has gathered them there. They've called on him all day long. He ain't done nothing. He said, surely he's a God. Well, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe, maybe he needs to be awakened. Shout louder! So they broke out their knives. And they started cutting themselves. Now, I've had some prayer meetings that got kind of exciting. But I ain't never broke out a knife and started whittling away on my flesh. Are y'all with me? Say amen. They started cutting themselves with lancets and knives and just jugging themselves. In. I mean, pouring their blood out, saying, Oh, Baal, don't you see us bleeding? Don't you see us crying? This is a live show, man. We're pouring out our life's blood for you, and you ain't listening. So they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying. Can I tell you everything that prophesies ain't right? Until the time of the evening sacrifice. So now we went from daylight to noon and now it's the evening sacrifice. We're on over five or six o'clock. Midday passed. They continued the evening sacrifice. There's still no response. Still no one answered. Still no one paid attention. The live show is not going so well for them. Are you with me? Say amen. Elijah said to the people, all right, come here to me. So they came to him. This is verse 30. And he repaired the altar. That's what some of us need to do is repair the altar. Uh, some of us have sacrificed on the altar of everything under the sun except what we really need to be doing. Are y'all hearing me? So he took the altar and built it back together. Let me just read it for you verbatim. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. That's the 12 tribes of Israel. To whom the word of the Lord had come saying, you shall, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. If you'd like to know what that is, it's 24 pounds. 24 pounds of seed is what the trench would hold, so it is pretty good. And he arranged the wood, and then he cut the bull into pieces, and he laid it on the wood, and he said to them, I want you to get those barrels, jars, and I want you to fill it... Um, with water. 
And they did it. Now, if you've got four barrels or four jars, you fill them with water. How many of you know if you're trying to start a fire, the last thing you want to do is pour water on it? He said, take them barrels and four barrels and, and pour it all over the bull, pour it over the wood. And they did. Live show, y'all. They got done. He said, I want you to go back and do that again. Go fill them barrels back up. Now, I don't know where they got the water, and this must have been precious because it hadn't rained in three years. But none, uh, They got the water. He poured this water. All, they, they, they poured it all over the bull. They poured it over the wood. They poured it over the stones. And he said, for good measure, the italics is mine there, do it one more time. So they went back and got the barrels filled again. And if memory serves me right, 12 barrels of water. The Bible says that it, you know, it covered the wood, it covered the stones, and filled up the trench that would hold 24 pounds of seed. That's a lot of water. They filled that up, and, and the Bible says that, you know, and then, uh, well, Mike says that, Elijah says this, y'all stand back. Y'all with me? Say amen. I remember when I was a kid, and my dad was a little unorthodox. We were going to grill some steaks one day, and that's back when they had matches that would strike anywhere. You could strike them on your zipper, you could strike them, you could strike them anywhere. Now we didn't got so safety minded, you can't strike them. You'd have to have phosphorus and magnesium and whatever else. I don't know. Anyway, um, but my dad, he went to uh, where he kept his charcoal lighter fluid and didn't have none. He reached over by the lawnmower and grabbed a gallon of gas. And man, he just soaked it on down. You know, I don't know. I'm in second grade or something. I didn't know it was going to be so violent. He put the can back. I'd always seen him just strike the match right on the side of the bricks right there where the grill is at. Well, you can do that with lighter fluid because uh, charcoal lighter fluid is real easy going. Man, I struck that match on the side of that before, before he got back over there. Whoa! Singed all the hair off my arm, side of my face, my eyebrows all curled up. My mama liked to kill him. Are you with me? Now, that wasn't nothing compared to what's about to happen right here. The Bible says that, he says, do it again, put water. Do it the third time, they put water. The water ran down around the altar, filled the trench. And now, listen, here's what you've got to understand. I said build an altar. And here's why you need to do it. You build that altar because they can't nobody do me like Jesus can. Can't nobody answer me like Jesus can. There is no God but Jehovah. And when we get a hold of Him, if we'll build an altar unto Him and pray unto Him, He will answer. Now I'm not saying He's always going to say yes. And I'm telling you, the delay of judgment is not the denial of judgment. Sometimes he's saying, just not now. We want something so he's done it to me before. Oh my goodness, it's aggravating, but he do it. Verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Here it goes. Y'all ready? You can count the words if you want to. But he said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that, you, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 
Answer me now, Lord. Answer me. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell. It burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and even licked up the water in the trench. And all the people saw this. They fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. He is God. What a live show. Amen. What a live show. What a live show that he says these 63 words of prayer, fire falls out of heaven, consumes everything. And we know he is God. He is God. Then he commanded and said, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, brought them down to the Kishon Valley, slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, go and eat and drink. For I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Let me tell you this. When you've built an altar back and you've worshipped God and you've got a hold of God, guess what? Elijah now is in a position to hear from the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I've done some things that scared me. I have done some things before in the altar. Once I got under an anointing, I said some things to some people I didn't realize what I said. But they would come back and say, My, my, how in the world did you know that? Have you been in my mailbox? No. Anybody talk to you? No. Are you hearing me? But Elijah said, not only has God answered by fire, but he says to his servant, go tell Ahab that I heard something in the Spirit. It ain't rained in three years, but I hear the rumbling of a heavy rain. I hear the thundering sound of a heavy rain. Stage was set. It's a big stage. Elijah's just called fire down from heaven. He's just killed 450 prophets of Baal. And then he declared, I hear a rumbling, heavy sound of rain. He says to his servant, go and look toward the sea. He told his servant, and he went and he looked. And he come back and he said, there's not a thing, there's not a cloud in the sky. He said, go look one more time. His servant ran back. And he looked again. He come back and he said, there ain't a cloud in the sky. He, did. he said, go back and look again. And the Bible says that Elijah had sat down on the mountain, put his head between his knees and began to pray. The prophet come back and said, it's clear as day. There's not a cloud in the sky. He said, go look again while I pray. You remember he had said, it shall not rain except at my command. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he went the fourth time. He come back and said, Sir, there is not one cloud. In the, not a cloud. He said, I'm going to pray. You go look again. He come back the fifth time. He said, Sir, there's not a cloud in the sky. Master, I'm telling you, I've already looked. Well, I'm going to pray. I want you to go back and look. Sixth time he looked. He come back. He said, there ain't a cloud there. I'm going to pray one more time. I want you to go look one more time. I can see him now. Oh, my goodness. What is my master smoking? I mean, has he really lost it? Maybe the fire was too hot. Maybe it was too much. Maybe he's got out on a whim and he's in the flesh now. For heaven's sake, I done went six times. But he got out there this time and he looked. 
What is that I see? Just a small little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He come back and he said, Master, it ain't much good news, but I did see one little cloud about that big. He said, oh boy, I can see him now when his preacher voice, come on, ho, go and tell Elijah, or go and tell Ahab, get off of this mountain because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So he went and he said to Ahab, well, master said, you better get down from here if you're going to go. If not, you're going to be part of the mudslide because God is about to cause rain to fall on this mountain like you've never seen before. his uh, his driver and they pulled up in a chariot Ahab got in the chariot ah! and so they take off down the mountain the Bible says that Elijah heard the spirit of the Lord and he began to tuck his garments in and when he got them all tucked in the Lord said run and he took off heading towards Israel and the Bible said at some point he passed a horse drawn chariot good to the bottom of the hill and here come the man of God huh? y'all with me he passed right by him what a showdown what a showdown first fire falls out of heaven then we see a little old bitty cloud the size of a man's hand and then it starts to rain and an old prophet outruns a horse drone chariot with some of the best chariot the best drivers in the business there's going to be a showdown in your life. Let me just say it. Would you stand with me this morning? I hope you're ready. I want you to know it comes unexpectedly. You don't never know when it's going to happen. But out of the clear blue one day, you find yourself on the stage and the curtains being peeled back. The lights are starting to pop on. And the Lord says... There you are. It's time for you to shine. Your pastor can't do it. Your brother or sister can't do it. Your mentor, your coach can't do it. I hope you've learned well. I hope you've taken good notes. I hope you have listened well. Because now, it's on you. Did you know it's just like death? I've heard teachers say this before. It's pretty good. When God's testing us, it's difficult and we really want to hear Him, but don't you know, I think it was Dee said it, the teacher is always silent during a test. They don't talk during the test. And when it's time for you to shine, did you know God Himself was silent when Job was in the middle of it, in the thick of it, are you with me? Job said, I can't find him. I looked to my left. I looked to my right. I looked before me. I looked behind me. He said, but here's my faith. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. There'll be a live show in your life. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.